1: Buckeye Talk is about
0: to begin. Hey, 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 come on in.
1: Welcome back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk. It's Cleveland.com. It's Doug Maurice and a man making, is this your Buckeye Talk debut,
0: Lance? Yeah, I'd say I've been on with a couple times. I don't think I've been on the Buckeye Talk, though.
1: Yeah, you've been you've been on the Orange Brown Talk podcast plenty of times breaking down film for us. It's Lance Risland. And the reason Lance is here is because he's smart about football, which is not something we always say here on Buckeye Talk. We try to be entertaining about football, but Lance is a longtime high school football coach who has been doing great film work for Gle- for cleveland.com recently. Most of it NFL but he has been writing some Ohio State pieces this season. You may have read his work at cleveland.com slash OSU. But now we're going to talk to Lance, and we're going to talk about some things from a film perspective about this Ohio State-Georgia matchup. But just, <laughs> you know, Lance, the, the Buckeye Talk audience can be suspicious. Why do we Why do we trust this newcomer on Buckeye Talk? What are his credentials? So, uh, what, you you coach football for what, like a good – Two or three years, is that right? Two or three years as a football coach?
0: Yeah, I'd like to say that makes me in my early twenties. Um, <laughs> no, I coached for twenty three years uh, at Garfield Heights uh, eighteen of those years with my dad. Uh, I was a uh, quarterback at Kent State in the early nineties uh, lifelong football guy. My dad is a uh, a legend um at least in my mind uh, in high school football. he has over two hundred you know forty five wins. So just been a lifelong football junkie that uh, was, was at a game early in life and enjoyed the analytics and enjoyed the uh, football breakdown of everything. So uh, not a master by any means, just like to watch the film and see what the matchups are. And uh, I think I have a pretty good handle on uh, what teams are trying to do to each other.
1: All right. So so let me ask this, Lance. Is there a major difference in watching NFL film and high level college film are are the schemes drastically different is one are they more complicated than another one place are you, you know college football there's a lot of guys you're watching even Ohio State who are not going to be NFL players do you just have to look at them a different way or at this level is watching Brown's film and watching Ohio State film pretty much the same deal
0: I know it's a lot different and it's just a level of, of expertise so those guys it's a it's a dance so when one guy does one thing, another guy will do another. And at the college level, you still don't get the guys who are better than everybody else. And that's why some of those guys, when they get to the NFL, uh, they struggle a little bit, especially like defensive linemen in terms of their hands usage or receivers getting off press or covering. And uh, there's just such a level. I would say the, the big difference is some of the schemes are the same. Uh, you're getting a lot of spe- offensively, You're getting gap, and uh, now the the air raid has made its way to the NFL the big the big difference without question though is just the overall skill level it's a lot different in in the NFL everybody is good at every position when
1: you have looked at ohio state film this year we're going to dig in first on the ohio state offensive side of the ball just generally because again this is not the time the first time that you've looked at ohio state film what have you thought of the way that ohio state has gone about attacking defenses ryan day's play calling the things they've tried to lean on What's been your overall view of what you've watched from Ohio State this year?
0: Well, they offensively, they haven't been able to run the ball like they have in the past, and a lot of it has to do with the injuries at the tailback position. They've had some pretty substantial injuries uh, there. Uh, without question, the receiving core is um, elite. Uh, Stroud is elite in terms of getting the ball out. Um, you know, I think they try to, at times this year, people have questioned their ability to run the ball. So I think, pe- I think maybe Day has said, you know, we're going to run it, and we're going to get in formations, and we're going to prove to people that we can run it. I just don't think that's their identity. I think they're very good at what they do. Um, you know, I like the term, you know, pace and space. They're good with pace, and when the ball gets in space, uh, they have dynamic athletes who can make plays in space. Uh, I don't think their guys up front are, um, you know, they're not movers. They're not guys who are going to vertically displace the defensive line. They're right. athletic and they can move people horizontally, uh, and they have their times when they can move them uh, vertically. But they're more of an outside zone uh, position block. Uh, It's not the Ohio State of, you know, 20 years ago with Eddie George, where they're going to gap you and and knock you down no matter how many people are in the box. Uh, It's a very uh, finesse, very fast, very athletic, very well coached um, team. And I think that's where their that's where their best bet, you know, coming up here against Georgia is to get the ball in space uh, and and try to make plays that way.
1: The point of reference for me for the Ohio State offense, and this is not a surprising point of reference because it's the only game that Georgia has lost in the last two seasons, is what Bryce Young and Alabama did against Georgia in the SEC title game last year. And I think they threw it 70 to 75% of the time. They were not trying to run the ball. When you're talking about this from a strategy, and strategy and schemes are different, right? One's schemes, mm-hmm. how you're going to do it, strategies, what you're going to do. I just think Ohio State should throw it, should come out, and throw it and do what they do best and not try to spend a lot of time attempting to establish the run, whatever that might mean. Do you think a pass-heavy strategy is the right thing here, or do they need to have better balance than that, that 75% throws, maybe CJ Stroud throwing 50 passes, would that be too much?
0: I say no. I say, but you know, with what they can do in their offense, a lot of their a lot of their pass game is extended runs. So you talk about those bubble screens, you talk about those RPOs, you talk about backside of the backfield. Uh, that's their running game. So uh, I do I do not think they can line up and run power. Um, I don't think anybody can line up and run power against Georgia. They're massive inside. Uh, so I think the, the traditional run game against Georgia uh, and how well coached they are is kind of futile. You're not going to get much out of it but the Buckeyes do a really good job of getting the ball in space and that run game can be, um, it doesn't have to be handed off to be a run game. That was always my, uh, kind of my thing to coaches. You don't have to hand it off to have a run game. Um, Some guys are uh, kind of stuck on, we have to be physical uh, and they are physical, but Georgia is really, really schematically good against the run. So you have to find different ways uh, to get the ball out in space, uh, get the ball to the edge without the traditional run game. So, no, I don't think they should run it um, in, in the old I formation, uh, but I do think they need to get the ball out quick. I think they need to get the ball out in space. I think they need to use all 53-6 and get the ball uh, horizontally out there um, and get away from that front seven of Georgia a little bit.
1: You know, there have been times in games this year where Ohio State running bubble screens has driven everybody crazy. Fans are saying, why do you do that? And it's mostly because they're, they were missing blocks at the point of attack. And, you know, talking to some people in the Ohio State program, it's like, man, the bubble screen is like, well, if we make the block, we're fine. So, but that is their run game, right? When you feel like, hey, we can't do, we want to be out in space. We don't even necessarily, we don't want to run a toss. We don't want to try to run wide because then Jalen Carter still has a chance to blow that up. If you just flip a bubble screen and then tell Cade Stover or Julian Fleming or somebody out there to make one block, and then all of a sudden you have Marvin Harrison Jr. or Julian Fleming or somebody like that, one-on-one with a defensive back. And now all of a sudden, That's your run game. That's the kind of thing I always said, I understand when I got frustrated at times. There was a game, whatever game it was, where they were running bubbles. They ran four or five bubbles that, like, they all didn't work. And it was like, what are you doing? And then they made an adjustment at halftime, and a couple of them worked in the second half. It sounds like you're saying they've got to do some things like that because that is the run game against Georgia, and you can't throw 65 deep shots. You've got to have some – horizontal stretch on a defense and probably more like bubble screens is the best way to do it.
0: Well, yeah, you have the bubble screens. You can also simple RPOs where you're they're, uh, they're going to run that zone. They're going to run a stack. You can get into stack. You can get into a bunch set. Uh, you can even be a one receiver side. You can isolate three by one uh, where you run a zone. And if you like the matchup outside, you can throw a hitch. You can throw a slant. You can throw those inside slant on RPOs. Uh, you can limit them out. The amount of people you have to block inside by throwing off the extra guy in the box. Ohio State does a great job of that. They've done it for a while. So where the traditional run game is not what everybody sees, a lot of times those bubbles are just the numbers game. So the quarterback's going to take whatever numbers game. If he gets the numbers he likes, and you're right, you have to make those blocks. And if you don't get that block, people get frustrated. But that's what Ohio State has to do. They have to get the ball out. Uh, They have to stretch horizontally, like you said. Um, That'll open them up. That'll widen those guys out a little bit. That'll get that box kind of reduced a little bit. Then you can take your shots downfield. Um, Watch the number of times this year where those Georgia – Uh, Lassiter, um, Ringo, those guys get run by a little bit. So that can happen too, but you have to first start by horizontally spreading them out and not letting those guys inside dictate the pace of the game.
1: It does feel like, and listen, we did our version of some film breakdowns with me and Nathan Baird and Stephen Means just looking at a bunch of games. You watch the Tennessee game for Georgia. There were times when Tennessee ran past guys. They did. Sometimes you, they have some really good I, – I like Georgia's secondary, but you can run past them at times. Even like Chris Smith is a really good safety. If you let him float and diagnose and that kind of thing, run at him, Tennessee ran at, at Georgia, ran past them, and didn't hit it. There were a couple that if they hit those, I think it changes the fabric of the game. I do think Ohio State's going to have opportunities – Like an accordion, right? Like you stretch it out and then you pull it back in and then it's like a trombone. Ooh, that'd be like a good, like, what's your offense? It's an accordion trombone offense. You stretch it (laughs) out in and then that's the deep shot. (laughs) Do you think if you, if you got back in coaching, Lance, and you started running the accordion trombone offense, do you think that you would become a sensation?
0: You know, I never thought about the accordion, the trombone maybe, but the accordion I like, I would have to add that with it. So I I think that might work. I'm just trying to, you know, we're just trying to make everybody
1: better here. So just anyway, so that idea, I do think they're going to have to take some shots. They're going to have a chance to run by them. So you've been watching some Georgia defensive games and some teams who have had some success. And Kent State, I could remember that Saturday. It's like, all right, I don't know. I, on, our, on our gambling show, I think I took Kent State with the points because I was like, I don't know if Georgia is going to care enough to win by 45 or whatever the line was. And then it was like, is Georgia going to lose to Kent State? It was an, a remarkable game. And so to watch that game and try to glean what did the Kent, Kent State offense do with certainly several levels below of the talent of Ohio State, but what did they do to Georgia? You think there are things there. You think this is something Ryan Day can learn from Sean Lewis. He got the Colorado offensive coordinator job off that game. Congratulations. Right? Ohio State, Kent State. Who would have
0: thought Kent State showed the way for some things Ohio State can do, right? Well, Yeah, you know, Sean Lewis is fantastic. He's a Dino Babers guy. He knows what he's doing. And what Georgia runs out, you know, I'm watching film on them, and they run out too deep at every position. Obviously up front they're led by Jalen Carter, but the guys they have up front are fantastic and they're very multiple. Uh, Kirby Smart is a, obviously a saving, uh disciple, so they're very multiple. They're very down and distance oriented. Uh, but what Kent did was they spread them out. They gave them some uh, some different kind of formations in terms of some empty looks, some three-by-one looks, some 11 personnel, some 10 personnel, some empty. Uh, but I think what, what Ohio State can really do is use the pace – uh Kent State goes lightning fast they're about as fast as you get in in college football so what it does is it does not allow the um substitutions from Georgia on every snap because Georgia will run out 20 guys in a series they will run out three to five six defensive linemen they'll run out multiple secondary guys uh who are all good um so if you can kind of keep them uh, on the field and then you use different types of formations kind of makes them stay base. So they can't get exotic in their blitz looks. They can't get exotic in their, in their coverage uh, because they kind of, kind of cover everything. So, um, you know, Kent did a great job of again, being a two by two, three by one, uh, ran the ball, ran some inside zone, just kind of like uh, just a little bit, but did really, really well with their RPOs over the middle uh, did really, really well with their big uh, quick screens outside Ah uh, can have two receivers uh, in Cephas and Walker who uh, are not at the level of Ohio State guys, but are pretty good players. And they ran by a Georgia a couple of times, especially after they were stretched horizontally. Uh, so yeah, I think um, I think there's a lot to learn that in the LSU game. Similar concept: getting the ball in space and using pace.
1: Ryan Day, when he talks about tempo, right? He 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 usually talks about it in in a way of we want to do it, but we want to be strategic with it. We don't want to do it too much. He usually talks about after you get a first, first down that, because I, I don't, you know, you don't want to have a 51 second possession when you're coming out and playing tempo and doing a three and out. But if you get a first down, then you can start going. But I do think he's wary sometimes of like, you don't want to do it too much. You know, you don't want to tire out your offensive line. You don't want to have a huge disparity in time of possession. But I think as most offenses, like they don't sub. Right. They're eleven personnel all the time and then they just split out the back. When they go five wide, when they go empty, it's like they it's the same guys. It's the tight end and the running back are out wide. You know, occasionally if it's a long drive, they'll put in the opposite running back just to give a guy a blow. I mean, every now and then they'll go twelve personnel, you know, and take one of the receivers off the field, but they don't. They are not like strategically schematically substituting. They're running with their guys. So if Georgia is this is fundamental to who they are. Would this be a, an opportunity where you think Ohio State should extend themselves in tempo and push it more than they normally do, maybe even more than they're comfortable with? Because you're getting sort of maybe a threefold advantage here in not letting Georgia get the guys they want on the field, tiring out the guys who do have to stay on. And then, you know, sometimes you just get a defense back on its heels. And I do think sometimes tempo right? And I think Ohio State's done this. You hit them, you hit them horizontal, little slant, little bubble screen, you line up under center, play action, deep shot. Sometimes when they're back on their heels, it feel like that's when the opportunity really comes for that. What, should, should this be the most up-tempo that Ohio State has ever been in the Ryan Day era? Is it that imperative because of how good this Georgia defense is when Georgia does what it wants to do?
0: I, 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 yes, I believe so. And why? Because what Ohio State does really well, um, Georgia's not fantastic. Georgia does not cover very well. Georgia is good against their own. Those guys tackle well. Um, those guys cover well, but they're aggressive. They jump on routes. So yes, I think in terms of getting the matchups you want, and because Ohio State stays in their 11 personnel so much, uh, the faster the better. The faster the better keeps them. Um, they can get the matchups they want. Um, they can put the, – you, know, you can get Harrison in the slot. You can get guys where you want them. You can dictate the matchups on safeties. Again, their safeties are very good. Starks is a great safety. Smith is a great sa- safety. My favorite player on their defense is Bullard. Um, He's kind of their nickelback. Um, he flies around, but he likes to – he's aggressive. He likes to be in the box. So those guys are all susceptible to deep routes and being beat in the pass game. Um, but when their traditional is not good against Georgia, traditional is not good against Alabama when Alabama is Alabama. In terms of you're going to line up, they're going to know where the tight end is. They're going to know where the receivers are. That doesn't work against Georgia for anybody because then they get lined up in exactly what they want to get lined up, and they're going to dictate the pace. They're going to dictate the fronts. They're going to dictate where their pressure is coming from. They're going to dictate who's coming from where. And if you go fast and you spread them out, that's what they've struggled with in terms of getting lined up that you have to stay base. you got to make sure all, everything is covered. And Kirby Smart is a guy who makes sure that everything is covered. So if you're going fast and you're giving them multiple for, uh, formations, you're going to get a base coverage. You're going to get a base front, and those are things you can attack. The faster you can do that, the more it limits substitutions, which I think is very beneficial for uh, Ohio State coming up. All right, quick break. More questions for
1: Lance right after this.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner.
1: Back on Buckeye Talk, Lance Reisland, our film guy at Cleveland.com, breaking it down for you guys. It's such a stark difference to me, Lance. A year ago, Georgia's playing Michigan in a semifinal, and it just felt like matchups matter in football, right? Matchups matter in all sports, but matchups matter. What Michigan has done offensively the last two years has been difficult for Ohio State to handle. But what... Michigan did offensively against when it faced Georgia last year, to me, is exactly what you're saying of like, okay, well, like they're going to like throw the running backs and throw to tight ends and kind of not be explosive and probably not. And I just like Michigan, I don't think ever had a chance with what they do against Georgia last year. So it's like Michigan against Ohio State. Ohio State can have some trouble with that. But Michigan against Georgia, Georgia is not going to have trouble with that. Ohio State against Georgia is just such a – we've had such a conversation for the past year, Lance, about contrast in styles between Ohio State and Michigan. But to me, if you're going against Georgia, I want the Ohio State style of offense. That's what gives you the chance here, to me, the way you're describing it. Throw the ball, up-tempo, set up some shots because if you try to do normal (laughs) – Normal football stuff. They're going to eat you alive. In general, if you are devising an offense that you say, okay, start from scratch. You're playing Georgia in three months. We're going to get you. Out at, we're going to get you the players you need. What's the style of offense that you would want to devise? And is Ohio State anywhere close to the ideal?
0: I say yes, yeah, especially especially out wide, especially when you talk about those skill guys. They they. They, Georgia does not match up well against Harrison and There, Those guys are really, really outstanding next-level guys. Uh, Georgia struggled with guys that are less than those guys. I would say the only – and getting ball in space, everything we've talked about, but I would say the only thing that would really hurt a Georgia team, too, is that mo- mobile quarterback. So if I yes. had to devise if Stroud could run a little bit better uh, in terms of, like, uh, the big third down runs, some zone reads, not a lot. Um, but the more you make a, a Kirby Smart, a in work, they work on everything. They're, anal- they're paralysis by analysis. So they're going to they're gonna overemphasize. So if you can add more things that they need to work on, um, that would be beneficial. But in terms of matchups, matchups do make football. And that's why you know some of the times when I pick the Browns or Browns to win or lose, it's about matchups. And Ohio State skill-wise is a very good matchup um, against Georgia, especially in that back seven. Um, Ohio State doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily uh, run it very well, uh, especially against really good D lines. Um, Georgia's as good as it gets. No one's going to run the ball against Georgia. So Michigan didn't match up very well. Um, where Ohio State getting the ball out in the flanks? Um, a lot of a lot of people perceive that as you know finesse. It is is more finesse, but there's a lot. Of, there's it's the best way to win. And the bottom line is you want to win. And I think the Buckeyes have a matchup. Um, this is not as um, drastic of a one-four as people think because of that skill matchup. Ohio State's skill guys match up very, very well with Georgia's back, back guys, without question. And if they can pass protect in, in, in Georgia, uh, I fear the only thing I would fear as an Ohio State fan would be, do they get it enough? Because if we're thinking that, if I, as, as a coach, I'm saying that, so is Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart saying, you know what? They're not very good against the run right now. We're going to run the ball, and we're going to keep it from them. That would be my that would be my guess going in because um matchups are matchups and Ohio State matches up well against the secondary from Georgia.
1: There have been, I think, athletic quarterbacks this year for Georgia that have run into some trouble because I do think if if as a quarterback you think you can out athlete Georgia, you're gonna come in for a, a rude awakening. And I do think certainly any time Bryce Young had three runs in that SEC title game last year that picked up some important yards. He ran three times for 40 yards. But that interior pressure that they're going to get with Carter and Stackhouse and the guys inside, you do want to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands, right? And I do think at times CJ has done that very well. I, again, I, even if, and if people want to have – we like having different people on to talk about this. This is why we have Lance on here. I had Brandon Adams who hosts the Dog Nation Daily podcast covering Georgia five days a week They do podcasts there. He's just an excellent, excellent guest. He's on the Wednesday breakdown on the College Football Survivor Show where we did a version of breaking down Ohio State and Alabama there. And he was saying, like, Keeley Ringo is probably a first-round talent, but he's given stuff up this Mm -hmm. year that it's odd. Sometimes, like, you can see, like, measurables. He's a big physical corner. I think he has every measurable you want. He was a five-star recruit, but he can get got, I think, right? Like, you get, like, get the – CJ, diagnose, make a read, get the ball out, and then let the guys go to work. It's not, I do think their secondary is better than last year. But I do think that Georgia even acknowledges there are times, as you've said, when they've had trouble with receivers who aren't as good as Ohio State's receivers. And I think Tennessee, again, is a different enough matchup. They felt like they're much more like kind of down the field passing attack. And Ohio State, I think, can do more. Marvin on the slant is what killed Penn State. I don't know, man. Like, I know, listen, Lance, you're not. You, you're not blowing smoke. Ohio State's receivers are really good, and I just don't know. I just don't know that the George has seen quite this. That's no knock against Tennessee because Tillman and Brew McCoy and Jalen Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt won the Blitnikoff. We all know, but it's a different style of receiver. And I think when the, the closest thing that George has faced to that is when Alabama had John Mechie and Jamison Williams healthy in the SEC title game last year, and they gave up like more than 200 yards combined to those two guys in the first half alone. Because Bryce Young went to work, and I think there's a version of that that Ohio State has to do here. It's not can do. It's If they don't throw it well, Lance, Ohio State I don't think has a chance.
0: Well, yeah, as you're saying that, that's as a coach, I'm immediately thinking to get that matchup I want. So if you think Keely Ringo is your matchup against Marvin Harrison, then I'm going fast, and I'm going to go fast, and I'm going to dictate that matchup by going fast and getting them in a base coverage, by going fast and – limiting the amount of blitz they can do because we're going so fast um because we're not a power run game because they're not a power run game as it is so I always say to myself well we're not going to run it as an offense what are we going to do well there's no sense of beating a dead horse let's 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 pass protect let's get the ball out fast let's go really fast and let's get a matchup that we want and by getting a matchup the easiest way to get a matchup as a coordinator um in the pass game especially when you have elite receivers is to go fast because they're going to give you a base coverage. You might not get it the first series. You might not get it the second series, but eventually you're going to see by going fast, what are they going to give you in two by two? What are they going to give you in three by one? What are they going to give you an empty? And the faster you go, uh, you're going to get base coverage, base fronts, uh, base blitzes. You're going to see, because they're going to have a plan for when you go fast in certain formations. Um, that's the that's the nature of a very well coached defense. So you're going to be able to dictate those matchups. So if you're saying let's get, they haven't seen receivers like Ohio State, then go fast and get those matchups you want and take advantage of those matchups, regardless of down a distance. You know there is no in this game. I don't really think there is a first and ten, second ten with the with the Buckeyes offense. It's you have three plays, three plays, whatever that may be to get ten yards. So don't think about being second six don't you know the traditional uh uh, you know play ahead of the sticks things like I don't think that's relevant this game get the ball out in space go fast and get the matchups that you want uh by formation getting the formation you want and finding that matchup that you like the safeties are really good from Georgia but they're jumpy and they're itchy and they're violent and they're they like to tackle well how do we get matched how do we get Harrison at three then and get him on Starks who's a two freshman how do you get him on Bullard who likes to play down in the box? Who's very aggressive, covered very well, um, but I, I know I think he's a match. Uh, Harrison's a matchup issue for him, so it's finding the matchups, going fast, and and taking advantage of those matchups as, as much as they can.
1: Lance, when you were coaching, would you have rather faced an aggressive defense like you're describing Georgia as, that they're going to try to jump routes and get after it, or would you rather face sort of a defense that's maybe is going to sit back and say you're not going to beat us deep? Maybe we'll give you the underneath stuff, but we're going to make you drive. I mean, there's opportunities and there's problems with both. Sometimes I, you know, I can be like, oh, an aggressive defense. Oh, no problem. You just run a double move and you're good to go and you'll be, you know, getting 50-yard getting touchdowns all game. But it's also like, well, an aggressive defense, like you get a little pressure. Now you have to, you feel like, oh, I better get rid of this ball before the pressure gets to me. And now a guy jumps the route. And now you get a pick six
0: going the other way. How did you handle aggressive defenses like this? Well, I always felt the toughest defense we'd go to is a team that didn't show you other thing. So if, if you get, it show you everything the same. So if you get, it's not really aggressive or sit back, it's, do they mix it up? If they're always aggressive, you can adjust to that. If they always sit back, you can adjust to that. For what was tough for, for me and, you know, most coaches is, um, first of all, do you match up personnel-wise? Because if it doesn't, you don't match up personnel-wise, it doesn't matter. Uh, what they do, how they do it, they're better than you. Uh, I don't feel that's the case. I think both teams are pretty equal in terms of talent. Uh, especially, and I think Ohio State has a little bit more talent in terms of productivity and their skill guys. So um, it's figuring out what what is Georgia's plan. Georgia has a plan right now. It's saying, you know what, here's how we're going to attack this. Uh, when Ohio State comes out, if they do come out in empty, if Ohio State comes out in two by two, Georgia has a plan for that. And it's Ohio State's job is to figure out what that plan is and then adjust accordingly. So um, if they're all, I will say this, if Georgia's all aggressive or they sit back, Ohio State will pick them apart. Georgia, just like anybody else, when they face somebody really good, like Ohio State, they've got to mix it up. They've got to be able to blitz, put those guys on an island, um, and then Ohio State's got to find it. And then Ohio State's got to be able to block it uh, because there are times they're going to bring one more. So I watched a number of snaps where Georgia is in a – they're bringing four over three or three over two, which is a very traditional blitz. So they're going to have free runners. Uh, Stroud's going to have to stand in there and take a couple shots with the idea that Harrison's going to be matched up one-on-one with Lasseter or, or, or Ringo. So um, it's a, it's a chess game. Um, but the best, the hardest defenses always, always, always starts with personnel. If the personnel is really good, um, then you want to be able to figure out are they aggressive or are they sit back? And how do you attack either one? But if they do one or the other more, more than, you know, if they are, in, if they pressure the whole game, Ohio State will figure that out. And if they sit back, Ohio State will figure that out too. So it's, it's the idea of mixing it up that, that'll, um, it's George's best chance, in my opinion.
1: With what you have watched of CJ Stroud this year, diagnosing accuracy, that kind of thing, what have
0: you thought of him as a quarterback? Well, I think he's, ex- their scheme is really, really good. So he's very, very good. He gets, he's very, very good on rhythm. So where some guys throw really good off platform, uh, you see the Sunday guys that throw good off platform. It's a tag word that I'm not a huge fan of. Some guys can just make plays, but a lot of throws in the NFL, a lot of throws in, in co- uh, college, a lot of throws in high school are still made with really good fundamentals. So quarterback has to have really good feet. Uh, has to have a clean pocket, uh, has to be able to um, transfer his weight, all those kind of things, all those things with the feet in his arm. When he can get on rhythm and he's in the pocket, um, he's very, very good. I don't think he's that hot at that, uh, as a high level when he has to do things off schedule. Um, so when he is in rhythm and he gets rid of the ball on slants and hitches and fades and back shoulders, he's fantastic. When you give a or a or B gap pressure to him and he has to adjust in the pocket that, you know, like most quarterback, but that's, that's the tough part. So if they can get him, uh, if Georgia gets him off his uh, original platform and changes his launch point, then he's not nearly as, as accurate and as a, uh, um, lethal as he is when he is. For a quarterback like that, how much of a pre-
1: of a problem can internal pressure be up the middle where the pocket's not collapsing that way? Cause right. Sometimes if it's edge pressure, you just step up in the pocket and sort of stay in your rhythm and make a throw. This Georgia pressure is going to be coming from Jalen Carter winning with his hands or knocking guards and centers back into CJ Stroud's lap. How can he stay on rhythm if his pocket is
0: collapsing from interior pressure, well, I think the only way you do that, is going back to what we've already talked about, pace. You've got to run with pace and keep that keep that defensive line out there so they're not as fresh and they're not running out. Okay, you know, you look at their guys. I got uh, Logan Stackhouse and Alexander and Carter and Brinson, and they run out guy after guy after guy who's six five three ten who can really run. So you have to keep. I think what you got to do is you got to keep that that group out there. That's out there. Whatever group's out there. Um, they're going to get pressure if they're fresh. They're very, very good. And that A-gap pressure, that B-gap pressure is much more uh, disruptive to a pocket guy than anything around the edges. And so Stroud, in my opinion, has got he's going to have to move a little bit in the pocket, reset his feet, and, and make some throws. But I think to be able to do that, I think it goes back to running with pace, keeping the same defense out there um keeping the base defense the more you go fast the less they blitz the more tired those guys get um if those guys are fresh they're they're tough to block all right Lance
1: let's shift to the other side of the ball you wrote a good piece after the Ohio State Michigan game about some of the coverages that Jim Knowles played playing a lot of zero coverage where there's no safety help and all of a sudden a missed tackle isn't just a 20-yard gain it can be a touchdown you know, bad coverage by one guy isn't a thirty-yard gain; it's a touchdown. Would your overall analysis be that Jim Knowles was too aggressive in the Michigan game? Is that a, a, a simplistic way of saying that, or, or was that going to, is that going too far?
0: Well, you know, I, tight man. I don't. I didn't. I thought they played a little bit too much of tight man press man. Um, I thought the initial plan was good in terms of they were going to stop the run. And sometimes when you try to do one thing, other things are exposed. Uh, but I'm always a believer in going in with a plan. I, and I truly believe that the plan going into that game was we cannot let Michigan run the ball down our throat. And so by doing that, they crowded the line of scrimmage. They crowded the box. They left their guys out on islands. They they put those safeties who, uh, in my opinion, are really good tacklers, but not always really good in coverage, especially with guys who have some uh, skills and space. Um, so I didn't really mind. Uh, I didn't think it was an awful uh, like sk- a scheme, but I just thought it was – um too much so they ran it you know again going back to what we talked about on the other side of the ball if an offense knows what you're in eventually they're going to get you so you got to mix it up and, and not and keep keep them guessing
1: so what would you say what should be learned from that how do you believe what ohio state did and didn't do well against michigan how does that factor into what they'll try to do against georgia
0: well you know i think once again i think bennett who's a very you know he's a heisman trophy candidate but he is a he's a a product of their system. They have an incredible offensive line. Um, they have three backs that have rushed for, uh, you know, you got McIntosh, Edwards, and Milton. They've, they've rushed for almost 2,000 yards. Um, so I think initially it's a line of scrimmage game, and the SEC is a line of scrimmage conference. So for the first thing Ohio State has to do, in my opinion, is stop the run. I think Georgia uh, has that sense when they play an out-of-SEC school team that they can run the ball and control the line of scrimmage. So I think they can play man. I think their corners match up well. I don't think, um, I think the receivers are good. I think um, a couple of those guys are good. Their tight ends are really good. Bowers and, and uh, Washington is a, is a big big huge athlete, and Bowers is their best player. Uh, I think they got to be selective in man coverage. Uh, I think they got to help on Bowers even if they are in man coverage. So play more one free, uh, where they have a safety over top of Bowers. Uh, But again, I think it all comes down to the ability to stop the run. And I think Georgia will test them early, see if they can do that. What do you
1: think of Ohio State's ability to stop the run? What do you think of Ohio State's defensive line? It feels like Teron Vincent inside has been, I think, maybe playing his best football in the back half of his senior year here. Mike Hall, who's probably more of a pass rush guy at tackle, but he's battled some injuries. He might be healthier than he's been. Ty Hamilton is a guy they lean on to stop the run. This is always right, th- as you've been saying. This is kind of life in the SEC. They have big physical athletes in the trenches, and you said it's, it starts with personnel. Does Ohio State have the personnel to stop a Georgia rushing attack?
0: Well, I think schematically they're going to have to be good. I think they're going to have to be on the move. I don't think they can line up in base and and, and hold on. That Trust guy, there, I really like their left guard Trust. He's three six seven, three twenty. Uh, Van Pran is their center. He's six, four, three, 10. uh, the Ratledge is their right guard. He's 315. Uh, guys behind him are all 320, 330, uh, big, big guys who can move their feet. Uh, they get tons of doubles in their zone game. They get tons of doubles in their gap scheme. I do not think the Buckeyes or anybody else can hold up just in a base defense. I think the Buckeyes will have to move. Uh, they'll have to keep their defensive tackles, uh, in movement, slant, angle. Uh, I think they'll have to do some run blitzes, uh, you know, get Chambers up in there, get uh, Tommy Eichenberg up in there, not reading that gap, but just taking that gap. Uh, I think they'll have to get some safety help. Uh, they, you know, he likes to play. Knowles uh, likes to play those three safeties. I think those guys are going to have to get themselves down in the box uh, a bunch uh, in terms of those C and D gap uh, help in their run fits. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a challenge, and I don't think they can hold up uh, just in base defense. But I do think they're talented enough if they stay on the move, uh, angle, slant, angle, and, and get lots of guys and lots of guys down in the box to stop the run.
1: So if they're going to dedicate themselves to that, it sounds like, okay, well, now you're setting yourself up to get beat over the top again. If you blow a coverage or you miss a tackle, you can be in trouble. If you gave up, if you were coaching a team, Lance, that gave up as many big plays in the past game as Ohio State did against Michigan, what would you be coaching? How would you change anything from a game plan standpoint? Is it just, hey, you guys got to play your fundamentals. You got to make tackles when they're there. You can't get turned around in coverage. How would you be dealing with that problem in this month of prep?
0: Well, I think we know Bennett can make the throws and, and going into the Michigan game. I, I'm not so sure that they, uh, that they felt that way, uh, that Michigan could beat them in the air. So um, Georgia can, George is very balanced, but again, he is a product for the run game. Uh, Bennett's a good player, but I would put the pressure on Bennett before I'd put the pressure on the offensive line. So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of what you, you, you got to pick your poison. And it, if you, if you, Think that you can hold up in coverage and I do I think if they help out on Brock Bowers uh, I think they match up very well um, I think Burke um, and Brown I think they match up very well uh, in terms of coverage I would play a little softer I would even if you're in man coverage I would play off man uh, make them yep. throw the ball in front not as so many you know deep shots it's okay to be in man you don't have to be impressed man you can be an off man. Um, and, and I think they got to help on Bowers, but I, I I don't think they thought Michigan could do that. I, I I know they think Georgia can do that. So they're they're working a little bit differently um, going into this game than they were going in the Michigan game. They were not going to have uh, Michigan run the ball for 297 yards down their throat was their initial thought at, at, when I watched the film. When you have a game, Lance, where you
1: have some some coverage blows and you blow, you know, you miss a tackle and you give up big plays like that, does it make it? less likely that your team will do that in the next game because you're so focused on it, because you watch it on film a million times and drill it and practice a million times? Like, is that just part of, okay, Ohio State did that against Michigan. They probably won't do it as much against Georgia and give up those, make those same mistakes because they just made them and they're very aware of it. Is that how coaching works? Or is it like, well, it was an Achilles heel then, it very well could be an Achilles heel now.
0: No, I think you're right. I don't think it. I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll last. Uh, you go back to work. Those guys are all high level. You know, you're talking about these are the elite of the elite in terms of college uh, a program. So I don't think it lasts. They got beat. They got beaten a couple coverages. Um, they got turned around. Uh, Michigan did a really good job with some of the schematics in terms of getting getting guys isolated on safeties. Those safeties haven't been put in a, a lot of pressure situations with verticals and posts and things of that nature. So Michigan did a really good job too. And sometimes you know credit goes to the offense. Um, but no, I don't think it'll last. I don't think it'll linger. I think they know um, Georgia is very talented. Uh, I think they know they got to play really, really good defense. And going into again, going into the Michigan game, I really felt that they said if we can stop the run, we win the game. And Michigan, you know, beat them in the air. And with Georgia, they have worked on it a bunch. And it is getting, you know, they have worked out in practice. But in terms of lingering, no, I don't think it lingers. I think those guys think they can play at a high level and they can compete with Georgia. So it's about, like you said, reading your keys, understanding where your help is coming from, making sure that in big situations, Bowers covered, uh, making sure that you're not leaving uh, wide open zones, being fundamentally sound in your coverage, uh, being more base in your coverage, playing off so you're not, uh, you're got not getting picked or rubbed uh, in man coverage. Uh, and just competing and you know in their defense if you're going to play man you're going to give up some plays and that's what ended up happening is they gave up some plays and that's going to happen but they got to be able to respond and, and go to the next play.
1: When you watch this Georgia offense Todd Monken obviously came from the Cleveland Browns to Georgia after the year with Freddie Kitchens in 2019 just what's your when you watch Georgia's offense what's your view of of how Todd Monken calls it and how they stitch things together and attack defenses.
0: Well, you know, he's got that. He has a pro style in terms of like, they get multiple guys out, multiple formations, they're underneath center, they're in the gun. Uh, They, they attack with the backs out of the backfield a lot. Um, Their backs are, you know, top five in their receptions. Um, They take shots. um, They run, they're very multiple in their schemes in terms of uh, NFL. They run some zone, they run some gaps. So they do their, um, they're very talented so it gives him free reign to kind of um, call what he wants uh, in terms of getting four and five receivers out uh, they're good they run a bunch of different formations, a lot of motions. Um, but one thing about Tim Monkin if they if Ohio State does not prove that they can stop the run, he'll run it right at Ohio State the whole game without getting into because if you think about what Georgia the matchup that Georgia struggles with, if Ohio State can't st- uh, stop the run, that matchup goes away because that side of the ball is not on the field. So Lance, having looked at both these teams,
1: what is your overall view of Ohio State's chances in this game when you look at both sides of the ball from a film standpoint?
0: Well, I think, once again, for me, football always comes down to the line of scrimmage. And Ohio State has to prove that they can hold up against both sides of the ball line of scrimmage. Uh, You're talking about that A-B gap pressure and pass uh, pass pro for Ohio State, uh, the ability for Ohio State's defense to stop the run, um, the game gets very ugly if you cannot compete up front. Um, that being said, I think the Buckeyes can compete up front. I think they got, uh, you know, they, I think they did very well. They held Michigan to 10 yards rushing, and Michigan's uh, uh, even better this year than they were last year up front. Um, I do not, I'm not sure if, if Michigan is as athletic as um, Georgia is up front on the offensive line. Uh, Georgia's offensive line is not only big and brutal, but they're very athletic and can move their feet. Um Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg, they have to play downhill. Um, I think they have to help the defensive line. Uh, Again, we talked about skill players. We talked about uh, secondary guys. We talked about quarterbacks, all those kind of stuff. Football for me, especially in these big games comes down to the ability to run the ball and stop the run. And will always be that way Uh, with Ohio state run game being, you know, could be the bubble screens and things of that nature, but they're going to have to compete up front. And that's, Playing, those, playing the SEC schools in, in, in the BCS in this era um, it has come down to being able to compete with the front seven. And teams that can compete with the front seven with the SEC teams do very well.
1: It's funny, Lance, it goes back. I mean, this was the same deal when Ohio State started playing the SEC in national title games in, in 2006 and 2007. Man, it was it was these edge guys from Florida that were getting after the passer. It was those defensive tackles for LSU in the 2007 national title game, and that was an education for me because I think sometimes when you thought, "Oh man, like okay, the SEC is really good," it's not it's not the skill guys; it's mm-hmm. the athleticism of the trench guys, and that there are trench guys who are big but quick man Mm -hmm. who have great hands and like, aren't just space eaters. And I, I, you know, Glenn Dorsey and Ricky Jean Francois in 2007 for LSU in the national title game, that idea of like, okay, what's the differentiator. It's like Ohio state's got to get some guys like that, right? You've got to get some really athletic defensive tackles. And now here we are, you know, 15 years later with an sec team and Ohio state playing on the biggest stage. And what are we talking about? We're talking about Jalen Carter. We're talking about Stackhouse. We're talking about these big physical guys that are difference makers in the SEC and I do think Ohio State has improved in that area. Jonathan Hankins was like such like a a seismic recruit to me of like that was like oh that's what a defensive tackle who can move really looks like. But we're back there again and so I like Lance I agree with you but it also sounds like you're saying that's where it starts. You do have to run it, but Ohio State's pass game can be their run game, mm-hmm. as you were saying, right? And then also do it well enough, but then also Ohio State, lean on what you do best, which is throwing the ball. And so I it, it, I think there might be a world, dance where Georgia wins the battle in the trenches, but not by too much
0: mm-hmm.
1: that allows Ohio State skill guys to get them over the top, right? But again, I just don't think anyone, and you're making the point, don't underestimate how much, up front, both sides of the ball, how good Georgia is at that, and it's fundamental to who they are and what they've been and why they're the national champs.
0: Well, yeah, you said it. So not only do you have not only do you have Jalen Carter and Stackhouse, but you have there. You know, watching the film from going all the way back to the Kent game, there's guys that played in that game that aren't even playing now, and they all fit the mill. So it's not only the size and the speed and the hands and the violence; it's the depth. Um, so again, I don't know, I don't think Ohio State can win that matchup, but they got to be able to hang in there because if they can hang in there in the front seven, um, they can win outside. So if they can, if you can hang in and give him uh, 2.8 to throw the ball, Marvin Harrison can beat those guys. So I think it's a matter of, um, not beating your head in the ground saying, Hey, we're physically going to match up uh, against Georgia and we're going to run the ball at them. It's doing what you do. But knowing that you have to hang in there, you have to be able to uh, compete up front because, once again, if if I'm Georgia as a coach, what I'm saying right now, we are going to struggle to cover Ohio State. What's the best way to do that? It's not let them on the field. Let's run the ball right at these people and see if we can keep the ball because if we can keep it, then we don't have to worry about the matchup we struggle with. Um once again, if Ohio State can get a couple scores, there's some dynamics that can put Ohio State in a very favorable position that are not completely out of realm whatsoever. They just got to be able to hang in there. They got to be able to hang in there early. Um, you know, they got Georgia's gonna come out with those defensive linemen in that front seven. And they're gonna throw some haymakers early, so they got to be able to pump the ball well, play good field position, not give up big plays themselves, um, and, and hang in there, and then see where it takes them because eventually. Um, they're going to get a matchup on the outside that's going to favor them. All right. If you guys want even more of a breakdown
1: of these two college football playoff semifinals for Apple Podcast subscribers of the College Football Survivor Show, we have a TCU and Michigan breakdown with beat writers from each of those teams on the College Football Survivor Show this week. 2 a month, you get all those bonus episodes of the College Football Survivor Show. And then the free show on the College Football Survivor Show that's up right now this week, or at least should be up early Wednesday. We have Brandon Adams breaking down Georgia. Then we talked to Mike Rodak, who talked about Alabama, which is the last team to beat Georgia. And we also did a little Alabama State of the Program stuff there. And then I broke down some more Ohio State things. So here on Buckeye Talk, on the College Football Survivor Show, we're getting you guys ready for everything about Ohio State, Georgia. The Thursday Buckeye Talk, however, will be off National Signing Day, which is on Wednesday. You can read our coverage there at cleveland.com OSU. Come back for that Thursday pod where we will talk about all of that. And then, of course, next week, we're all going to be in Atlanta breaking down this game. Lance, man, you killed it. Buckeye Talk loves you, man. You brought the info. Thanks
0: for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun.
1: We always like having smart football people on. So, Lance, thanks for your time there. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening. I'm Doug Maurice and that was Buckeye Talk. <music>